Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday service. It's very nice to be here with you. For those of you who are new to our community, welcome. And for those of you who are residents here, we've been gone. We had a wonderful trip to our community in Italy, and it's nice to be back. Our topic this week is, from Rays of the One Light, is Does God Hide the Truth? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In last week's reading, we saw that the great masters themselves counseled discretion in the dissemination of truth. The counter-argument is sometimes made But the Lord doesn't hide. He reveals his beauty in the sunsets, his tender sympathy in the rain, his wrath in the thunder, his restless energy in the brooks, his power in the sunlight. There are exoteric truths, and there are also esoteric truths. There is that which is revealed impersonally and left up to us to interpret, such as the thunder and our perception of it as divine wrath, the rain and our perception of it as God's sympathy. But behind even God's most open expressions, there lies impenetrable mystery. The wind blows where it will, said Jesus in chapter 3 of the Gospel of St. John. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who is born of spirit. And Sri Krishna says in the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, By me, the whole vast universe of things is spread abroad. By me, the unmanifest. In me are all existences contained, not I in them. God's hidden reality cannot be understood by the reasoning faculty. India Shankya philosophy states frankly, Ishwar Ashida, God is not provable. A willingness to seek the underlying reality behind appearances is essential for those who would know God. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be here. Beautiful scenery behind us and above us and around us. And in fact, one of the beautiful prayers from the Vedas is, 
I see the Lord in front and behind, to the left and right, above and beneath, within and without. I see thee, Lord, because thou art everywhere. But let me start with this beautiful prayer demand or prayer poem from Master's Whispers from Eternity. It says, Teach us not to follow the will of wisp of false happiness. Through the long night of error, we pursued the will of, will of, wisp, will of the wisp of false happiness. Gloom led only to deeper gloom. Our feet, struggling to follow the path of progress, often slipped into ruts and struggled through marshes of disillusionment. The describing, the deceiving Elmo's fire of passions lures many people to their doom. Thousands are sucked down into the bog of sense satiety. O divine friend, extinguish with thy breath this false light of destructive glee which has so often misled thy children, headed for thy home. Light instead thy beacon of holy radiance that every eager child pilgrim safely reach thy home. Master is such a beautiful mystic poet, the best example that we have, I think, in modern age. So the topic, does God hide himself? You bet he does. <laughs> he is a master hide-and-seek player, and he plays hide-and-seek with, with us. That, in fact, is one of the classic definitions of why did God create this universe? And the answer is because he likes to play hide-and-seek. And so this ability to hide that he has is so good that it takes us thousands, millions, billions of incarnations to find our way back into unity with him. In fact, he doesn't have many tricks up his sleeve when you get back into unity. He has billions, trillions of tricks up his sleeve as you get farther out. But his basic way of creating the hide-and-seek game or creating delusion is by spreading out from, from unity into increasing levels of separation. And the more separation there is, the more hidden he is. In fact, the uh, term maya means the measurer or that which separates, that which splits up. Maya is the word for delusion. So the very means by which he creates delusion is by seeming separation. And the farther we go into that separation the more perfectly hidden he seems to become. And we can't find our way out through most of the tools that we normally think we can. The, in our modern day uh, times, in the society that we live in, probably the primary way that we're seeking truth is through science and through the mind. And so... Basically, 
you can get caught in the delusion that science is going to show us the truth. Science is going to reveal unity out of disunity. But at this point in time, at least, science is just bringing us farther and farther into disunity. The vast majority of scientists are either agnostic or atheist or certainly materialist in the sense that they see the universe as some material form. And of course there are the exceptions, those on the cutting edge of science. Many of them are truly seekers and and see that there's some unity behind it. Some of the great scientists have said the more I go into science, the more I see that everything is just consciousness, which it is. But the mind, using the mind, can't lead us out of the labyrinth in which God is hidden because the mind is part of the mechanism that God uses to create delusion. And so we can't get out that way. Uh, Right now in scientific endeavor, We have a huge, vast experiment costing several billion dollars, which is trying to find the fundamental. It's this huge collider or uh, 17-mile loop of super magnets that accelerate particles in Switzerland, that accelerate particles faster and faster, getting them up toward the speed of sound and smashes them together. And with enough energy smashing together, it doesn't create unity, as doesn't fuse those particles together as you would expect. It splits them apart. And so the scientists are studying the subatomic particles and the sub-subatomic particles. And just recently they um, found one of the sub atomic particles that they had been predicting through their theories. And it seems like, well, finally, we've pretty much got it wrapped up, don't we? They found the subatomic particle that they were looking for for three or four decades. Well, all of the subatomic particles that they found, all of the matter that they have been working on, everything that they have discovered, the estimation is that that describes about 4% of the universe. The other 96%, we have no idea what it is. They call it dark energy and dark matter because they don't know what it is. So might as well call it dark, dark energy, dark matter. And so the mind seeking to find the truth through the mind is not a very good tool. But on the other hand, what do we have to work with? I mean, you know, if you've got to nail a nail in and you don't have a hammer, you pick up a rock and use a rock. And so the mind may not be a very good tool, but it's the primary, one of the primary tools that we have to work with. What are other aspects of our consciousness? I'm talking about the intellect here. But the feeling nature, is the feeling nature much better as a tool? Not in this present age, it isn't. Because the feeling nature 
if it's expressed outward, becomes farther and farther entangled in a sense of separation. And so the more you go into a sense of trying to go with your feelings, if that goes outward, if the emotions go into separation, the more your feeling finds finds the reality of your separation. And that sense of separation then with your mind, mind always follows feelings, and you just make up rationalizations for why you're right in your sense of separation. What do those rationalizations sound like? Well, of course I need to be selfish. What else is wisdom if not to keep my, what is mine for myself? We say that every Sunday. The little bird going out into the uh, delusion, going farther out into delusion, just finds rationalizations for why it should continue in that direction. And much of the current strife and struggle and economic depression that we find ourselves in is caused by essentially the emotions going out and then rationalizing behavior that follows those emotions. Yogananda said that the reason for depression right now, whether we're in depression or in a deep recession, is debated by the politicians who want you to vote for them or vote against somebody else. But we know that we're in a difficult economic period. And why are we in a difficult economic period? Because of greed. Greed is an emotion. Greed is the sense that I want to take for myself more than what I need. And Master said very simply that depression is caused by greed. And so what we find ourselves in now is the extension of that kind of fundamental negative emotion being expressed in society. And so can we ask the politicians to lead us out of the maze of delusion? I don't think so. If you want to depend on the politicians, by all means go ahead and do so. But I don't think for myself that that's the way out. So you can't trust really the heart or the emotions expressed outwardly. You can't trust the mind expressed outwardly. But you can trust both of those as they become more inwardly focused. What does inwardly focused mean in this context? It's to see, what I was saying is that the delusion, the way God hides is through separation. So if we start moving against the trend of separation and move always for the um, centralization or the unity, then both the mind and the heart become strong allies. So their foes are allies depending on their direction. And it's really quite simply that. So God does hide himself, but he hides himself through, through disunity. There's a story that Master used to tell of um, three students of this sage are told by the sage, they're, each of them are given a banana, and they're told to go out and hide that banana where no one can find it. And so they all leave, 
and the first one comes back almost immediately. And the, the sage said, well, did you find a good hiding place? He said, oh, yes, I found a great hiding place. I walked off the path a little ways, and I found this rock, and I rolled it aside, and I put the banana under there, and nobody's going to find it there. He said, okay, thank you. And um, took some hour or two, and the second one came back, and he said, I found a place. At first, I was going to hide it near the path, but I figured, no, no, somebody might come along and wander off the path and find it pretty easily there. So I wandered deep into the forest, and finally I found a very secluded place, and I dug a deep hole, and I buried it in there, and then I covered it over, and I carefully arranged the grass and so on, so nobody will be able to find it there. Sage said, oh, good, thank you very much. And the third disciple happened to be this woman, and she didn't come back and didn't come back, and the other two were thinking, well, boy, she's not very bright. She can't find a decent place. And finally, at the end of the day, she comes back. She still has her banana. And so the two guys that came back early are pretty smug with this one. And the sage says, well, couldn't you find any place to hide your banana? She said, no, I just couldn't. I tried here and I tried there and I went deep into the forest everywhere. Somehow I felt that someone was watching me. And no matter where I went, I felt someone was watching me. And so I just couldn't find a place where I wasn't feeling that somebody was with me. Somebody was there. So here's the banana. And so, so it is that the farther we go out into disunity, we think that it works, this world works. But the more the unity is, the more this world doesn't quite work for us. And the tests become different. The tests become then ones of unity, ones of moving toward that unity. And so how do we do that? If going outward isn't going to get us out of the hide-and-seek game, hide game, how do we go inward? Well, we have several ways. One, of course, is our spiritual path. But I, um, Lahiri Mahashaya said, the answer to every question is Kriya Yoga. Why Kriya Yoga? I mean doesn't seem to me that Kriya Yoga is necessarily the answer to the great experiment of the Haldron Collider and the subatomic particles and where the missing 96% of the universe is. I think if you told most scientists the answer is Kriya Yoga, they, you wouldn't have a real long conversation about it with them, put it that way. But why is Kriya Yoga the answer? Because we come away in Kriya Yoga. The whole, the whole purpose of Kriya Yoga is to come away from duality into unity. And it works on, on it energetically. So as Swami said to us, the whole, and has said to everyone, the whole of the spiritual path 
is overcoming the ego. The ego is our sense of separation, the soul feeling a sense of separation. And so everything we do, if we want to get out of delusion, should be basically to seek unity, to seek to overcome any sense of separation. And that's why there are, there are three or four things that are very, very important, especially on our path. One is Kriya Yoga. That is the most important thing for those of us who have it. That is the most important thing that we can be doing. As Master said, a single Kriya is the equivalent of a whole year of living. And so if we want to speed up the process or take the jet airplane path, as he called it, then Kriya Yoga speeds that up and and we can move along into unity much, much more quickly. So for those of us who have Kriya Yoga, that's the most important. But Kriya is a part of meditation. And meditation is basically closing down the senses and the restless activity of the mind interiorizing the prana and then listening to God, listening to the universe, listening to our own self. And so meditation is one of the primary ways out of this. And if you have the right karma and if you have the ability, you could spend basically most of your lifetime just sitting in meditation, and that would be a lifetime very, very well spent, much better spent than seeking riches on Wall Street. But most of us don't have that karma. Most of us aren't ready to meditate that long or perhaps that deeply, or if we are, ready for that, maybe this isn't the right lifetime for it because Master came with a very dynamic mission to help bring teachings to people. So service is another way of seeking unity where you don't think of yourself. You don't think, what am I getting out of this? What am I, why, why should I do this? I'm not getting paid I'm not getting recognition, I'm not getting fame. The whole secret of service is to do activity that's helpful, especially to other people. Do activity that's helpful without any thought of what you get back. Nishkam karma, as they say in the Bhagavad Gita or in the scriptures of India. Uh, Action without the desire for any fruits of the action. That includes even meditation. We should meditate without the desire for the fruits of meditation. It sounds a little, as as, uh, one uh, young person who was here in the Karma Yoga program, he heard the uh, line in the chant, uh, wilt thou come, wilt thou come. Uh, What? What? uh, Yeah, will my days fly away without seeing thee, my Lord? Just for once, just for once, let me see you. He said, came to us and he said, 
Will my days fly away without seeing thee, my Lord? That's harsh, man. <laughs> so, unless, unless we seek God, yes, our days will fly away without seeing him. And yes, that is harsh, man. Because we will lose the opportunity of this life to find that unity that we have to seek. Our soul knows it. Our soul is seeking it. Isn't anything imposed outward on us? So meditation and service. And then there's another way that we can seek this unity. And that's by trying constantly to think of God throughout the day. One of the ways is through chanting. Master said chanting is half the, half the battle. So take a chant and just keep repeating it and repeating it. Ananda Moy said the repetition of God's name will cleanse the consciousness eventually. So thinking of God and giving everything to God is the way. If you have a guru which is God in a manifested form, then think of the guru constantly or as much as possible. Give him everything. Positive, negative, it doesn't matter. There's a beautiful story of Anandamoy Ma where there was a kind of a crazy man who came to a satsang she was giving. There was a large gathering and he was very agitated and a little bit mentally off. And Ma had, uh, the disciples had a big basket of oranges and she had the disciples go out and give an orange to everyone there. And when this man, from her, so, so when this man received an orange from her, he got agitated and threw it at her and hit her. And the disciples were just aghast at this. Not only, you know, the uh, non-receiving of something from the guru, the teacher, but the act of trying to harm. They got all up in arms and they were going to grab him and hurt him. And Ma said, no, no, leave him alone, leave him alone. But he felt now guilty and he kind of slunk away. He was all disheveled and his hair matted and so on. About a week later, he came back. His hair was all combed and he was nicely dressed. And he said, I have been in a period where I was basically out of my mind for several years and I couldn't find any way to stop that, to get back into my right mind. But when I threw that Through that orange at Ma, I felt so guilty that it's all I've been able to think about for a week. How terrible that was. And that's brought, it's very touching, that's brought me back into my right mind. And he became a deep disciple of Ma. But the thinking, we're all crazy. We're all agitated. We all take the fruit 
that the guru has given us and throw it back at him. What do you mean by that? Well, Yogananda lived in, I mean, he died in 1952 and he's not very up to date. He doesn't know modern science. Why should I believe what he says? The fruit of the God incarnating in that form, we throw it back and hit him. But we don't feel guilty. That's our problem. But if we constantly think of God, if we constantly, well, we won't constantly do it because we're too restless. But if we make the attempt to constantly think of God, to keep chanting, to keep singing his name, to keep the mind focused on God, that very act of seeking unity and thinking about unity because God is unity, all of that energy put toward unity draws the mind away from disunity which is where delusion lies and it doesn't happen immediately but the longer the deeper the more constant our devotion going to god our mind going to god the feelings directed toward god the yearning that we feel for him to enhance that, to preserve it, to increase it as much as we can. All of that gradually draws the mind away from its incarnation's long game of hide-and-seek. And then, instead of hiding, we keep trying to come out of the dark, little corners that we've been hiding in. Say, here I am, here I am. Come and find me, come and find me. Didn't you ever play the game when you were a little kid? Hide and seek. And when you were hidden too long in the dark, then you came out and started making noises. I mean, you didn't want to stay hidden. You came out and you started making, here I am, here I am. Come find me, come find me. Well, it's the same for the devotee. We come out of those dark little crevices of the mind and of the emotions and of the poor me and of the greed and all the downward, outward pulling directions. And all we want to do is say, here I am, here I am, Master. Come find me. Come get me. I'm done. I want to go home. Take me in your arms and hold me. And as that increases more and more, then God no longer stays hidden from us. He, too, is wanting that. Because the ultimate delusion is that there's any separation in the first place. It's only God playing with God. There's only one person in the universe, one entity in the universe. We might think we're separate, but that's the ultimate delusion. It's just God playing hide-and-seek with God. And so even the thought that he's out there and we have to come out and somehow get him to come, who's doing what to whom? It's God playing the hiding person. It's God playing the seeking person. And it's God playing the game of hide and seek. It's all one. And so when we pray, when we yearn for God, it's even more powerful if we think that it's all you, God. It's you 
in my form, yearning for what I currently perceive as you outside of my form. But take away that delusion. And the more we increase the devotional yearning for God, the more delusion just dissipates and disappears, and he no longer is hidden.